From the capital city, I'm Ken Smith. Changes are coming to the operation hours and rates of the Juneau landfill for both commercial and residential users. Waste management, which goes by the company name WM, oversees capital recycling and disposal for the city and borough of Juneau. Currently, the residential landfill schedule is Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Saturday, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And recycling hours are 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday. The recycling hours will not be affected by the changes. The new schedule will go into effect February 1st, and the new schedule for residential use will be reduced to one day a week, Saturday, 8 a.m. to noon, and the commercial schedule will be Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Jackie Lang is the communications manager for WM. She says the changes were deliberated at length and are being implemented for efficiency and public safety. By designating Saturday morning for residential customers, the new schedule is designed to remove individuals from harm's way during the week when large commercial trucks are moving quickly to unload and then return to job sites. It's truly about improving safety and efficiency at the landfill. That's a top priority, and it has uh, it has required some difficult decisions. We understand not everybody will like the new schedule, and yet after considering numerous alternatives and discussing options with city officials, it's clear that the change is necessary for public safety. Lang says another garbage disposal option for residents is curbside collection through the Alaska Waste Company, which provides curbside pickup for garbage and recycling. For some residential customers, Saturday access to the landfill will work just fine. For others, um, other people in the community may decide that curbside collection makes sense. And curbside collection for recycling and garbage is available through Alaska Waste. Alaska Waste is, is a different company. It's not connected to waste management. Lang says the increase in the rate was necessary to provide essential site improvements and will impact residential and commercial users. The rate increase is needed to provide for essential site improvements. In 2022, the site team completed two sizable projects involving landfill gas management. The next major improvement is focused on safer, more efficient traffic flow. It will involve replacing the old scale at the site entrance with a new scale. Lang says there has been ongoing work at the landfill for both improvements and efficiency. In 2022, the site team completed two sizable projects involving landfill gas management. The next major improvement is focused on safer, more efficient traffic flow. It will involve replacing the old scale at the site entrance with a new scale. She says there will be a new scale installed longer in length for accurate measurements and weight calculations, and there will be a new billing system. There will also be a change in how the rates are applied. In the past, there were some some fee options for different types of vehicles, and that's no longer an option anymore. The, the uh, all loads will be charged by tonnage rates um, minus the weight of the vehicle. The pricing will no longer be calculated by vehicle size.
Commercial customers will be most affected by a new scale and billing system with a passcode or an account card, and they can pay monthly or online. Many commercial customers right now are paying as they go, and this creates long wait times at the scale house. So by installing a new longer scale, we're going to be um, helping our commercial customers get through the scale house uh, faster and more efficiently, and that will be enhanced by the fact that commercial customers will be using a passcode or an account card and then pay monthly by mail or online. The new schedule and rate changes will be posted on the WM website next week. That address is wmnorthwest.com. A Ketchikan grand jury returned an indictment Thursday for Ketchikan Police Chief Jeffrey Harrison Walls for one count of assault in the third degree and misdemeanor charges. Here's Kevin Allen with the report. The charges stem from an incident at the Salmon Falls Resort restaurant on September 10th. The Alaska State Troopers responded and investigated the matter. Walls was not on duty at the time. Five misdemeanor counts were added to the charges, three counts of assault in the fourth degree, two counts of reckless endangerment. If convicted, Walls faces up to five years in prison. Walls' arraignment was this morning in Ketchikan before Superior Court Judge Catherine Lybrand. The case is being handled by the Office of Special Prosecutions. A powerful transmitter in remote Alaska sent long wavelength radio signals into space earlier this week with the purpose of bouncing them off an asteroid to learn about its interior. The asteroid, named 2010XC15, is estimated to be about 500 feet across and is passing by Earth at two lunar distances, which is twice the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Results of Tuesday's experiment at the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program Research Facility at Gakona could aid efforts to defend the Earth from larger asteroids that could cause significant damage. HARP, using three powerful generators, began transmitting chirping signals of long wavelengths at 2 a.m. Tuesday and continued sending them uninterrupted until the scheduled end of the 12-hour experiment. Data analysis is expected to take several weeks. The city and borough of Juneau will continue taking the lead on port planning for an icebreaker. Earlier this month, U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan said legislation was pending in Congress that called for $150 million in funding for the Coast Guard to buy a converted icebreaker. It was announced at the time that the icebreaker's home port would be in Juneau. However, City Manager Rory Watts says the funding to buy the icebreaker was removed. That funding was deleted. So I think the... You know, the the long view is we're really happy to be selected uh, as a home port. We know Senator Sullivan and Senator Murkowski and, and Rep. Peltola are going to keep working on uh, the federal government to put uh, federal resources in Alaska. Uh, so we're going to keep planning and making sure that uh, we can accommodate an icebreaker because that would be a big deal for Juneau. And we believe that as the Arctic um, gets more and more focus. Uh, that the federal government will invest in icebreakers, and it's only a matter of time. At their most recent committee of the whole meeting, city leaders discussed the need to do port planning. Watt recommended to the Assembly that the city figure out exactly how and where a cruise ship dock could go at the subport, and how and where an icebreaker could be accommodated. 
my concern is that um, the city really is the entity interest in doing um, port planning, uh, whereas uh, the Coast Guard is going to be interested in the, the needs of uh, uh, the Coast Guard. Uh, Huna Totem, if uh, proposing a cruise ship dock, is going to be interested in uh, the needs of their project, but neither of them would be looking at the broader view of the harbor. So that appropriation will come up on um, January 30th uh, for decision, but my recommendation is that the city take the lead on the port planning. Several agencies responded to a National Guard dock downtown yesterday after a tugboat sank. Juno Harbormaster Matt Creswell says they were notified about the sinking at about 8.45 in the morning on Thursday. Well, we went down to investigate and found that the uh, National Guard dock, there was a 107-foot tugboat had sunk sometime early morning during the night, um, was tied up at our dock. We, it's, a, it's an older vessel. I think it's about an 80-year-old vessel. And it was releasing a small amount of diesel fuel and create machine throughout the harbor, throughout the port area. We then contacted Coast Guard and ADEC, got all the uh, responding agencies on scene, got the owner on scene. News of the North reporter Kevin Allen was on the scene as well. He spoke to the tugboat owner, Don Etheridge, about the response. When I checked it yesterday afternoon, she bilges were dry. Come this morning, then the uh, harbor officer come down to do the uh, harbor check. He called me and told me that it was sunk. So I come down to see what was going on, and, and sure enough, it sunk. Etheridge says there was fuel on board. She's got like 60 gallons of diesel fuel and less than 20 gallons of, uh, of uh, motor oil total on board. She, she was completely empty of everything except for some heating fuel. He went on to detail the scene as it was on Thursday. They're soaking up any of uh, that residual diesel oil that come out of the, uh, the heating oil tank. Okay. So we're trying to, we got the boom around, DEC brought their boom over and we helped them deploy their boom to contain it. And now we're uh, in the putting these pads out just to help start soaking up some of that oil and then we can pull them out and bag them and dispose of them. Okay. Anything additional? That's about all I can do at this time. I do, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm at at this point. It was a year of disasters in 2022 for Alaska. Fourteen state disasters and six federal disasters were declared in the state during the year. Jeremy Zedek, public information officer with the state of Alaska's Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Management, recounts that information. We've had a very active 2022 uh, as far as disaster declarations go, we've had uh, we started off the year with interior uh, snow and ice storms, and that moved into the Matsu Valley um, and created some high winds and very cold temperatures, and then it impacted southeast Alaska. And we really started the year off with a, a, a lot of activity on the disaster declaration front, and that really continued throughout the year. In a normal year, we average approximately about four disaster declarations. Alaska is one of the only states in the nation with state public and individual assistance programs. 
As it does every year around this time, the season of giving has become the season of taking back. ABC's Jim Ryan says retailers, both online and brick and mortar, are being hit by a wave of returns. A staggering $761 billion worth of merchandise was returned last year for all sorts of reasons. In the past, bringing back an item was fairly quick and painless. But with the cost of everything on the rise, shopping specialist Trey Bodge says... Retailers are really trying to figure out how they can allow consumers to return, but also not have to shoulder all the expense. That means charging a restocking fee or a shipping fee for items ordered online. Retail analysts say the days of free returns may be numbered. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.